by Violent Gentlemen. Make sure you go to violentgentlemen.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts, hoodies, hats, and accessories on the sports scene. From the ice to the octagon, from the ring to the field, Violent Gentlemen honors the fight, the art, the opponent, and the sport. Violentgentlemen.com. Today's Violent Gentlemen segment, uh, the guest will be Pittsburgh Penguins forward Nick Bonino. And in case you didn't know, Nick Bonino was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins from the Vancouver Canucks just two days ago. Uh, I caught up with Nick over the phone. Of course, we know him here locally in Boston. He played in BU uh, from Connecticut. And I got some interesting, I got actually an interesting take that's not hockey related from him. He gave me his reaction to the trade, which I thought was very interesting. And I didn't know he was going to feel that way. But uh, also, I asked him, I had to do it because he's a, Connecticut native, like I said, and I was wondering if he was paying any attention to this whole Deflategate nonsense. You know, being a local, and I'm, of course he's a professional sports fan, and he told me something that I didn't know. So, uh, there's that. So stick around for that conversation with Nick Bonino as part of the Violent Gentleman Thursday on this show, so I'll play that for you in just a few minutes. Uh, and I will get to the Deflategate news and some talk of what happened with the Patriots today at training camp, their first day of training camp practice. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my take on that stuff and the football stuff to wrap up the show after the Nick Bonino conversation. But I'm going to open up here with what I think is the biggest news of the day in the sports world. Because, look, of course you put on ESPN and you go to sp- watch SportsCenter or any of the shows they have, and they're going to lead with Deflategate. They're gonna, of course they're going to. It's the sexy story. And let's be honest, the most controversial stories are always the biggest ones. I don't care what network you are. That's not just an ESPN thing. That's Fox Sports. That's that's any... And, and, and you go get away from sports for a minute. Entertainment news, national world news, local news. The controversial stories in whatever walk of life that you're talking about, those will be the top stories. Those will be the things that other people open up, uh, open with, open their shows with. This show, this is a podcast, and I, I focus on things outside of just Boston stuff. I, I tell you that I give you this show as someone who's born and raised here, who's still living here, who is not leaving this city, and I, I give you some takes and some opinions, and I give you some headlines, but I don't just do Boston stuff, right? We're on the internet. This is a podcast. In fact, we had someone come into Beantown Athletics today. Uh, they were picking up some shirts, or I don't know if she was picking up or ordering, and interested in what was going on back here in the studio. So I came running out and I told her what was going on and I made sure that she subscribed uh, to the show and to the podcast on iTunes. And, uh, you know, we added another listener. But even for the local people that come into the store and subscribe to the show, you know, what I would like them to know that they're getting into is a show that doesn't just talk about Boston stuff. Obviously, there are major Boston stories that sometimes... I am more into than the person who's not from Boston, and maybe I do lead with that, but I don't always lead with Boston stuff. So just because Deflategate is the most controversial story that's out there and other shows are going to lead with it, even national uh, shows and national storylines, that does not mean that I'm going to lead with it today. So what I'm leading with today is what I think the biggest story in the sports world because tomorrow is Friday. 
It's also July 31st, which means one thing. At 4 o'clock Eastern Time tomorrow, I believe that's the time, but it definitely is the date, July 31st, tomorrow is the non-waiver trade deadline in Major League Baseball. And what we're seeing now around the Major Leagues is we're seeing teams going out and getting their guys before the deadline. And when I say before the deadline, I mean a day before, I mean a couple days before, I mean during the week of the deadline. They're not waiting until 3 o'clock. They're not waiting until 4 o'clock for us to be sitting around for these trade deadline specials and all of a sudden 17 trades, uh, GMs around the league pull the trigger at the last possible minute trying to do everything they can to squeeze anything they can out of these GMs and play the whole negotiation game and, and, you know, try to get a team and use another team as leverage on someone else that might they know might need that player more than the other team. We're not de- they're not dealing with that. So we're seeing a lot of big names moved. And today, on this Thursday, July 30th, one full day before the Major League Baseball trade deadline, in my opinion, the name who is the biggest and most impactful rental that was available, in my opinion, is David Price. He's been moved. David Price, in a contract year, has been traded from the Detroit Tigers to the Toronto Blue Jays for left-handed pitching prospect Daniel Norris. Now, uh, it should be noted, Daniel Norris was the Toronto Blue Jays' number one prospect. Uh, He is a big starting pitcher. And if you look at Baseball America's top pitching prospects as of right now, midway through the season— Daniel Norris in all of baseball is the 18th overall prospect in baseball. Not just pitching, but every position. Left-handed pitcher, big kid, uh, in AAA. But, you know, the Blue Jays were willing to give him up to rent David Price. And he will be a rental. David Price is someone that is going to test the free agent market. He is someone that's going to go out. His agent is going to kick the tires on any possible deal. He's going to use other teams as leverage to get a bigger deal somewhere else. David Price is going to go where the money is. And I'm not so sure that's going to be Toronto, especially with the fact that the Blue Jays this week also traded for Troy Tulowitzki, which was a major move. They sent Jose Reyes to Colorado. They bring in Tulowitzki. Tulowitzki all already paying dividends uh, for the Blue Jays. Hit a home run the other night, right? And... Uh, Last night, I believe. And the Blue Jays uh, with a big win. And so Toronto gets Tulowitzki, who's under contract and is going to be making some money here the next couple years. They now get their pitcher. They now get David Price. And you wonder if the Blue Jays, if Stroman was not out for the season, this would be an absolutely dominant Blue Jays team that we're probably talking about is not six, seven games out of first place in the AL East. The Blue Jays, as of today, have a 51-51 and record. They are two games back in the wild card. That's what I assume the Blue Jays are looking at. If the playoffs began today, the L.A. Angels would play the Minnesota Twins in that one-game wild card playoff, and it would be in Los Angeles. Right behind those two teams, the Baltimore Orioles, one game behind the Twins. The Toronto Blue Jays, two games behind the Twins. Uh, And after that, Tampa Bay, two and a half games behind the Twins. The White Sox, two and a half games behind the Twins because the White Sox have come to Fenway this week and are beating the absolute piss out of the Boston Red Sox. 
the Detroit Tigers, three and a half games out, but it's clear that Detroit's looking at this and they're saying there are so many teams ahead of us in this wild card race that if we have guys in contract years, we're going to sell them. And that's what they did with David Price. Now, they got a good return in Daniel Norris. If you listen to me and listen to the show, you know how I feel about Daniel Norris, so I had to pull up the story one more time. Daniel Norris, if, if, in case you're wondering to yourself, you're saying, where do I know this name from? Where do, I, where do I know Daniel Norris's name from? Well, it's because ESPN did a story on him this winter, spring, around the time of spring training. Daniel Norris is the kid that lives in a fucking van, okay? <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't recall that story? Uh, he lives in a VW camper. In fact, ESPN did this big feature on him, and I read you things at the time, and I honestly feel this way because I think there are so many people in this world that are so unfortunate, that don't have money, that actually have to live in a van, you know, because they don't choose to, but they have to. And if they could be a top prospect in Major League Baseball, okay, and sign any type of minor league deal, whatever it is, they would tell you, if you, if you told them to then live in a VW camper, they'd tell you to go fuck yourself. They'd say, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm out. The only reason I lived in a VW camper is because I had to, not because I want to. Well, it's the complete opposite with this kid, top prospect. He chooses to live in a VW camper. He lives in a van, and he doesn't have to. Here's the headline of this story, the real headline. He throws 96. He's the Blue Jays' number one prospect. He signed for millions, and he lives in a VW camper. Meet Daniel Norris, the most interesting pitcher in baseball. That's the headline. I don't know if you remember my headline, but we might as well read it again. This is how I would draw up the headline to this story. He throws 96. He's the Blue Jays' number one prospect. He signed for millions. And he lives in a VW camper. Meet Daniel Norris, the biggest dickhead in baseball. (laughs) I mean, you gotta be shitting me. You know how many people live in a van that don't want to live in a fucking van? This kid lives in a van. I I don't have respect for that. There's a picture of him cooking eggs in a frying pan, mixing up scrambled eggs. I mean, he's got a stove. The van looks, the van is, I mean, it's not a big van, but he's got a stove in it. this, This guy, you know what? Have, have fun in Detroit. I mean, could, could be a very good pitcher in Major League Baseball. And a lot of times when you look at, you know, the top 15, 20 prospects overall in any position, most of those guys pan out to be very good players and have very good careers. Whatever. I, I just hope that this kid smartens, smartens up and, and starts living in a house or an apartment or something. Right? Uh, because there's a lot of people that live in vans that don't have to. So, anyways, Daniel Norris is going to Detroit. That's how you know him. David Price is going to Toronto. And the Toronto Blue Jays absolutely got a shot to do this wild card thing, to get into the playoffs. They absolutely do. I love the Tulowitzki move for them, and I love the David Price move. They're willing to do it. Fine. Willing to do it. And you know what's good for the Blue Jays right now? If you look at the AL East, 
and, and not even just the AL East, but, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it's over for them in the AL East. They are seven games out. They get the Orioles in front of them. Orioles are six games behind the Yankees. Yankees are in first place. Blue Jays are in, uh, are in third place, seven games behind the Yankees. Tampa Bay is in fourth place, seven and a half games behind the Yankees. Do I need to mention the Red Sox are in last place, 14 games behind the Yankees? you got players leaving games with dehydration. That's like me walking out of this 110-degree studio here at Beantown Athletics due to hydration. I could do it, and I could give you that excuse because it's probably true. Because I'm dehydrated, and I'm sweating, and it's hot. And, and I'm losing my mind. But I won't complain too much because I'd much rather be sweating my balls off in here than having to go out and shovel when I get home. Okay? I'll take the hut, the heat, the sweat, the having to drink 17 waters in an hour just to stay alive. I'll take it all over shoveling and trying to battle for parking spots and putting chairs and cones in spots and dealing with assholes during the snow. I can't do it. I'd much rather have what, would, what we're suffering through. <laughs> I'd much rather suffer the way we are suffering right now. But the Blue Jays aren't suffering. And they're only improving. And they've improved maybe more than anybody in Major League Baseball here uh, in the last week, last two weeks. You know, I throw Kansas City right there with them. Because not only did Kansas City trade for Johnny Cueto, which is also a rental for him, but they also got Yodano Ventura back in the fold. Uh, they called him back up for the minor leagues, and Ventura was awesome in his first start back. And if you want any sign of what Ventura is, Yodano Ventura in the second half of the season, he is so much better in late July, August, September, and, and you hope that when you get to October, he'll be even better then. And you're throwing a pretty damn good one-two punch at, at other teams in the playoffs with Cueto and Yodano Ventura. If he can be the Yodano Ventura that we usually see here in the second half. And from the looks of it, based on his last outing with Kansas City after being called up from the minor leagues, which is almost like an acquisition for the Royals, that's a pretty damn good one-two punch and a scary one-two punch. And now the Blue Jays, though, they had David Price. They had added Tulowitzki. Great moves to Toronto. You know, and if I'm a Blue Jay fan, I love it. And you, you could very well get some playoff baseball, not just a one-game playoff. You know, if there's a knock on this move, it's that Price, as a starting pitcher, hasn't been great in the postseason. That's not to say that he can't handle the big moment, though, because if, there's, if there was a big moment in his career, in his very young career, before he was a starter, he came out of the pen for Tampa Bay and helped beat the Red Sox, right? And helped Tampa Bay, they get to the World Series that year. Um, so it, it's not like David Price is scared of the big moment, but certainly the last couple times he's been in the postseason as a starter, it hasn't gone great for him. But who knows? He's got a nice little lineup there in Toronto now. And I, I, I really like the Blue Jays, and I really like what they've done. But the other thing here, you look, the Blue Jays are going to look around. They're going to snoop around the next couple months. The Yankees, I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea what the Yankees are doing. Now, I'll get to the Red Sox in a minute because I'm frustrated with the Red Sox. And it was something that happened last night in the Major League Baseball trade front that I'm, I'm, I'm very, I was unhappy with, and then I was a little happy about it because the trade fell through and now I'm sitting there waiting for the Red Sox to do something and because I don't hear anything I'm once again unhappy but any, anyways if there are, if we're talking about the trade deadline and the buyers and the teams that not only have a shot to get into the playoffs but also a chance to win it all the Yankees are in that conversation they have a 57 and 43 record they are in first place as I mentioned they are six games ahead of the Orioles seven games ahead of the Blue Jays seven and a half ahead of the Rays 
And um, the Yankees, I, I told you going into the season that I picked them to win this division because I buy in to their rotation, okay? I bought into their bullpen, obviously, and you've seen what it is. But Tantis and Miller turn this thing into a seven-inning game when you play the Yankees, and both of those guys are available out of the pen at the end of a game. It's a seven-inning game. And going into the season, I said, love Pineda if he can stay healthy. Love Tanaka if he can stay healthy. You look at uh, Ivan Nova, who's coming back from Tommy John, who, you know, has had some, he has a minor issue going on right now, but they say he's going to be okay. Tanaka had an issue early. Uh, Pineda, there's an, all of a sudden today, little breaking news, there's an issue with Pineda. And people were sort of hinting. Nobody really knew what it was, but when you get yanked from a start, obviously that's a situation. Um, Pineda, as, it, as I'm reading around and snooping around for something, reports are that Pineda has a grade one forearm strain. It was the same injury that Andrew Miller dealt with earlier this year. Now, Andrew Miller has returned and is fine. This could force Pineda to miss up to a month. And from the Yankees, if he's going to miss up to a month, you pull him right now. You know? That, that's absolutely the case, the situation that you should. That if you're in that situation, that's what you should do. Pull Pineda now, and it looks like that's what they're going to do. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, you should be pretty upset that when you look around Major League Baseball and all these pitches that are being dealt, that your GM and Brian Cashman did not go out and add anybody. And I heard some people say that, well, the Yankees will be fine. They don't need to make the move because they have Tanaka, they have Pineda, they have Nova. Well, what if one or two of those guys goes down? Because there is some injury concern with really all three of those guys that I just mentioned. Well, now, worst case scenario is Pineda goes down a day before the trade deadline. And I know there's plenty of time to make a move. There's plenty of time for the Yankees to make a move. But guess what? Give me a list of guys that if you're a Yankee fan, you'd give me this list of guys that you want to add to your team. Cueto, gone. Traded to the Royals. David Price, gone. Traded to the Blue Jays. Um, Scott Kazmir, gone. Traded to the Houston Astros. You might even give me someone like Matt Latos. I don't even know if you'd do that. But if you did, I'd say gone. Traded to the L.A. Dodgers. And you know what? First and foremost, and I told you the other day that this is how I felt, that since I heard even once that the Yankees were in on Cole Hamels, I said, ding, 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 that's where Hamels is going. Hamels is going to, going to the Yankees and playing there on the contract for the next couple of years. They'll afford it. He'll go there. He'll be a good pitcher. Um, he'll he'll beat, up, beat up teams in the AL East. Yes, he'll go there. He'll be good. Didn't happen. Gone. Cole Hamels traded to the Texas Rangers for 29-year-old lefty starter Matt Harrison, who's just coming up back and returning the season uh, from an injury. Get Matt Harrison and, get this, five prospects. The Phillies get Matt Harrison and five prospects. So if you have to trade Hamels, which is basically the situation that Philadelphia was in, you got a pretty good deal. That's a good deal for Philly. And you know what? The Yankees, they're sitting here now watching these pitches go elsewhere, watching teams get better, watching the Blue Jays uh, get price, right? Watching the Rangers get Hamels, watching the Astros get Casimir, watching the Royals get Cueto, and they're sitting there going, now our guys that we had injury concerns about, or at least we should have had injury concerns about, are getting hurt. 
And now we have nobody to add. So the Yankees might have screwed themselves over by not making a move here. Because if these injuries, if Pineda turns out to be more serious than they're making it sound, then, well, that's a major blow to New York's championship hopes this season. There's no question. So uh, we'll keep an eye on those things. But those are the trades that have gone down. And last night, there was a very interesting situation. Speaking of trades, there was a very interesting situation that went down last night. And I don't know if you were paying attention or you watch baseball, you're watching highlights, or you're on Twitter. I don't know what you're doing last night. But if you were paying attention, you know. If you don't, I'll let you know. Uh, there was a trade between the New York Mets and the Milwaukee Brewers. And the situation that the Mets are in was this, and we've been talking about it for a while. They have all the pitching in the world. And I've told you that if the Mets can get into the postseason, Right? If the Mets can get in to the postseason, they had two and a half games as of this afternoon, two and a half games behind the Nationals in the NL East. And when you go to the wild card standings, uh, the New York Mets, they are fourth in the wild card, four games behind the Giants, who have the final wild card spot. The Cubs are ahead of them, two and a half games behind the Giants. But if the playoffs began today, the Pirates would play the Giants in the NL wild card, one game playoff. Mets are on the outside looking in. If the Mets can somehow squeeze in and they can win that wild card game, who knows? Or if they end up somehow surpassing the Nationals and win the division. If if the Mets get into a playoff into the playoffs in which they can get into a series and not just a wild card game. I'm going to be one of those people that will tell you maybe the Mets are going to win it all. Because they have the pitching. Javi, Syndergaard, DeGrom. I mean, come on. You throw those three guys at at teams, they have the horses to make it happen. Those are the type of, of guys, impact pitches, starting pitches, that win you championships. They just don't have the hitting. And because they don't have the hitting, they might not be able to get in. They need to add a bat. I mean, they have no hitting. Mets need to add a bat. So last night, the Mets finalized the trade. While the Mets were playing, they finalized the trade for Carlos Gomez. 29-year-old center fielder, uh, right-handed hitter. He has one year left on his deal, which is somewhere close to $10 million, I believe, so it's not very cheap, but he's also signed for next year. And Gomez, you know, whose first year in the league actually was with the Mets in 2007, spent two seasons with the Twins, and has been in Milwaukee since 2010. Now, the last couple years for him have been his best years, or at least 2014, last year in 148 games. He hit 23 home runs. 73 RBIs, hit 284. 2013, the year before that, 147 games, uh, 24 home runs, 73 RBIs, hit 284 also. This season, in 74 games played, a little bit more back down to earth, eight home runs, 43 RBIs, and a 262 batting average. Uh, he is a career 260 hitter with 99 career home runs and 387 RBIs. And let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. This being his ninth Major League season, okay? He was acquired by the Mets last night in a deal in which the New York Mets sent starting pitcher Zach Wheeler and 23-year-old shortstop Wilma Flores to Milwaukee. That deal as reported, as the Mets are playing, was finalized 
pending physicals. And you know, you know how it goes. When you hear pending physicals, you, that never really pops into your mind and you say, oh, let's wait till the physical. You never know what's going to happen. Usually you hear the pending physicals and you still think to yourself, the trade's going to go through, right? Or they wouldn't even be reporting it. Well, keep, keep the pending physical part of this in the back of your head. The trade's getting reported. It's all over Twitter. I assume, and I don't know this for sure, but I assume that during the Mets game, somebody on the team was in the clubhouse on their phone, right? Or at least was in watching TV or uh, ESPN on Major League Baseball, MLB Network, right? One of these stations, and they saw the news. And I assume that someone went out and told the manager and even told Wilma Flores. Well, I know they told Wilma Flores. You know how I know it? Because they kept, they kept Wilma Flores in the game last night for the Mets. And he was in the field, and he became very emotional. Wilma Flores was in tears. Literally, in tears. He was crying. He did not, it, it was an emotional moment for the 23-year-old. And you know what I hated? When people were like, oh, what is he crying for? He's getting traded. He's not a man. And even the announcers I listened, they're like, oh, I mean, you know, you're only getting traded. It's not the end of the world. Shut the fuck up. This kid, I mean, he's been in, first of all, D. Hallmark, he's been in the Mets organization since he was 16 years old. Okay, one. Two, when someone gets traded, you don't know anything about Wilma Flores and his personal life and, and what he does off the field. For all we know, this is a kid who was settled in, who had a family. I don't know this for sure, but, but there are things that go on off the, outside that ballpark, in the, you know, off the field. And he obviously felt very at home in this organization. He wanted to stick around, and guess what? He's part of a good team. And I assume that if he wanted this team to make a trade, he didn't want himself to leave. He wanted them to make a trade to get a bad because he knew how good their pitching staff was, and he wants to be part of maybe something special. In the Big Apple. I mean, come on. This is an emotional moment for a kid who, again, was in the Mets organization since he was 16. Okay? He obviously didn't want to get traded. On top of it, as we saw with the tears coming, out, coming down his face. But I'm not going to knock him for it. You know, people are knocking him for it. Shut up. Please. He was emotional, and I kept him in the game. Now, you know, people saying at the time, we're going, why are they keeping him in this game? Why are they doing it? Well, we know why now couple hours after the game ended, we found out that the trade actually didn't go through. It didn't happen. Sure, the teams agreed to the players. Carlos Gomez going from Milwaukee to New York Mets. The Mets were sending uh, pitcher, starting pitcher Zach Wheeler, who you know if you listen to me, I love, by the way. Wheeler's recovering from Tommy John. He might not return to game action until the middle of next season. But he's in his mid-20s. He's a kid who's got overpowering stuff. He's, got, he's a stud. He goes to Milwaukee along with 23-year-old shortstop Wilma Flores. I actually think this is a deal. The Brewers got the best part of this deal. They did. But the Mets needed a bat. This was a guy they went out. They wanted Gomez. They brought him in. You know, Gomez, he's got some personality. Uh, You know, he does. He's got a persona. If you watch this kid play, he loves playing the game. You know, he, he he's somebody that, that is entertaining to watch. He's got all the tools to be a very... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll use the word electric outfielder at times. 
And uh, as we see the last couple seasons, you know, he's been swinging the bat. So they added him. And they wanted to make this move. They agreed to the players in this deal. That's not why it fell through. It fell through because the whole pending physical part of this trade, as I just rolled my eyes over and I told you, that was an issue. And when you first hear pending physical, all of a sudden everyone's going, uh-oh, Zach Wheeler recovering from Tommy John. He, he must not, you know, he must not be healthy enough for the, for the Brewers to want to make this move with Gomez being under contract one more year. No, that wasn't it either. You know what it was? The Mets are the team that pulled out of the move because Carlos, Carlos Gomez, in their eyes, has a hip situation going on. He has a bad hip. A bad hip, according to the New York Mets, and they pulled the plug on this deal. Over. Not happening. So as of today, wipe those tears, Wilma Flores. You're still a Met. Zach Wheeler, you're still a Met. Okay? Now, if you follow me on Twitter, which you should, at Danny Picard, you know how I feel about Zach Wheeler. If you listen to the show, DannyPicard.com, and on iTunes, and really anywhere you can get a podcast, you should know... I'm all about Zach Wheeler. I just told you his situation. I told you the Mets situation. And as I heard reports last week, the Mets had been in talks with the Padres to rent Justin Upton, and they were willing to give up Zach Wheeler because they know how bad they want to bat, and they want to go for it right now. Now, people kind of came at me when I said on WEI, And when I said on this show, when I said on Twitter, that Zach Wheeler is a guy that is going to be made available by the Mets, and that if he's made available, the Red Sox should be all in. Okay? And I know the Red Sox aren't playing for anything right now. But a Zach Wheeler move isn't for right now. And you say, well, how could the Red Sox give the Mets a bat? Right? And I said, well, you got to get creative. And you got to get some type of three-team trade. You got to. And the trade I proposed was you call Detroit, you have them send Cespedes to the Mets, you give Detroit some prospects, which is what Detroit's going to be getting for Cespedes, a guy who's in a contract year, uh, who's, a, who's a power hitter, who's going to be testing the free agent market as we already see the Tigers. You know, now they, they trade David Price today. They're obviously moving pieces and they're not going for it right now. So you got to expect they're going to trade Cespedes. You get a three-team deal. You since have... Detroit sends Cespedes to the Mets. The Red Sox send prospects to Detroit. And the Mets send Zach Wheeler to the Red Sox. And for the Red Sox, you might even say, hey, we'll take Mike Napoli. We'll send him to the Mets as well. And the Mets would be in a position where they get rid of Zach Wheeler, a guy who we now know, for the people knocking me about this, you now know the Mets are willing to trade Zach Wheeler just to get a bat. Okay? And stop, please. Please. Save yourself some time. If you're going to tweet me about Carlos Gomez, because I had people doing this last night. First, it's, first it's people come at me because they say I'm nuts. The Mets aren't going to trade Zach Wheeler, okay? Then when they decide to, when I'm right, by the way, about that, and they do trade Zach Wheeler, people come at me and say, well, yeah, they got Carlos Gomez. He's got one more year under his contract, and he's a better baseball player than Yoannis Cespedes, who's in a contract here. Stop making Carlos Gomez sound like Mike Trout, because he's not, okay? He's not even fucking close. And maybe you just started watching baseball in 2013, so you said, wow, here's Carlos Gomez. I've been seeing Carlos Gomez in Major League Baseball since he was with the Mets in 2007, all right? And yes, I do remember him with the Mets in 2007. 
Uh, and the one year, the, the extra year left in his contract, that's not necessarily that much different than a guy who's in a contract year and is essentially a rental. It's not. I mean, you know, if Gomez is on a contract for like five mil for the next three, four years, different story. Different story. I mean, this might be a different conversation, but it's not. So then you got people coming at me saying, well, Gomez, he's better than, than any of those rental hitters you mentioned. Better than an Upton, better than a uh, Cespedes. I mean, come on. What, what are we watching here? So enough. Save your tweets on that, too. But then, you know, they're coming at me for that. Uh, and, and now that the deal is done and Wheeler is still a Met, the Red Sox, this is where I get back to the Red Sox. The Red Sox need to wake the fuck up, okay? They need to wake Ben Sherrington... I don't know what he's doing. I don't. But he needs to wake the fuck up. And if the Red Sox are not somehow in or trying to acquire Zach Wheeler as of today, Thursday afternoon, then somebody in the front office needs to get fired. Okay? If not everybody. Gone. See you later. This is the most obvious. The minute that you hear, even before they made this trade, because last night I was saying, I tweeted once again, I'm going, Okay, Zach Wheeler, still rumored to be out there. Where are the Red Sox? Why are they not going after this kid? All of a sudden, about an hour later, boom, Wheeler traded to the Brewers for a bat. And I'm sitting there going, Red Sox dropped the ball. You know, it's one thing, maybe, you know what, and maybe they did try to get him, and the Mets said no. Or maybe the Red Sox did try to get that third team involved, and they just couldn't make that work. But... I guess I hope that they at least tried. There's no evidence right now that tells me they did try. But for the Red Sox to make this move, they need to get someone else's bat, and they can send a rental bat to the Mets. Especially now, the Mets must be desperate. Because Gomez is hurt, they're going to trade for him. they got to get someone. I think Upton's still available, right? Cespedes is still available. The Mets are going to give up Zach Wheeler to somebody. If you're a team that is down and out of the playoff race and you are not doing everything you can to get a third team involved to give the Mets a rental bat and for your team to land Zach Wheeler, you should be fired. You should be. Now, maybe there's a bunch of teams that will now be calling the Mets and maybe you won't be able to make a move if you're the Red Sox. At least I want to hear that they tried. Okay? That's all. I guess my concern would be that maybe Ben Sherrington doesn't have it in him to come up with that type of three-team deal. Maybe he doesn't. And I'm not trying to say that I would be a better GM than Ben Sherrington. I'm just trying to tell you that, well, maybe Ben Sherrington isn't as sneaky as you have to be to make that move. And, and you know, maybe I am more sneaky than Ben Sherrington. I don't know. Because you think about it. You make a three-team trade. I don't think you could call—if you're Ben Sherrington, I don't think you could call the Tigers— and say, hey, uh, yes, is uh, Dave Dombrowski there? Dave Dombrowski, you there? Okay. I'll wait. Yeah, you put me on hold. Yeah, I'll wait. You know, you can't, you can't call Dave Dombrowski, wait, be on hold, then come, you know, come back to him and say, hey, Dave, I really want uh, Yoannis Cespedes because I'm going to then trade him to the Mets for Zach Wheeler. Dombrowski's going to go, well, no, because then I could just do that myself, and I could get Zach Wheeler. Why would I do that? So you kind of have to be sneaky about it, right? Like, if you're Ben Sherrington, this is what you have to do. All right? We'll do a little game. We'll play a little game. You know, I like to play games on the show. Uh, you, you call, you don't call, when you call the Mets, you call the, the Tigers, you call the Tigers first. Call Dave Dombrowski, 
Hey, Dave. Hey, what's going on? It's Ben. Yeah. Hey, listen, um, what's the deal? You just traded Price, right? You guys are down and out. We're out too, but uh, here's the deal. I'm about to trade Mike Napoli, okay? Uh, and I'm about to open up the infield for the purpose of I need to get Hanley Ramirez out of left. Yeah, I, I can't have him in left field anymore. I, especially, I can't watch it anymore this year. I just can't. And I certainly am not going to go into next spring training uh, with, with him and left. And I know that you and Cespedes is in a contract year. But I am just, I, I fucked up last year, man. You see how Porcello is pitching, and I'm not asking you to take Porcello back. And I'm really not. We paid him. We're not going to give up on him just yet. It's tough to watch. But who knows, maybe we send him to somewhere else and we eat some of the money. But forget about Porcello. I fucked up with regards to, we need Cespedes, and I need him back because I want him part of this Red Sox team, okay? That's what I want. I, I need Cespedes. Can I, and, and I'm willing to pay him, and I'm going to give him the big deal, and maybe I move Hanley somehow at the same time. But for the time being, we're about to trade Napoli. We want to move Hanley into the infield, and we want Cespedes back, and I want to re-sign him. Now, I want to sign Cespedes. I should have never traded him to you in the first place. Can I have him? And, you know, Dombrowski's going to go, well, uh, we are trading him. We are looking. We're kicking the ties. What, but, but we got some pretty good deals. Like, we, you know, what, what type of prospects are you going to make available? You know, and that's when Sherrington can, can in, that's when he can get into, oh, here's who's untouchable, here's who's not. And certainly when you're talking about Cespedes, and really in your head the end game is Zach Wheeler. Look, Zach Wheeler he's out till the middle of next season. So it's not like you, you say to yourself in this type of move, nobody's untouchable. No, you do have untouchables in this type of move. So you give that list to Dave Dombrowski. He probably says, eh, you know what? I don't know. I got to think about it. There's some other people we're talking to. Uh, can I give you a call back tonight? If I'm Ben Sherrington, I say, yeah, give me a call back. And if you don't call me back, I'll be checking in with you later. Uh, uh, but, but, but tell me this, Dave. If you do go to trade Cespedes, okay? realize my interest in him, okay? Realize my interest, how serious I am, and not just bringing him back to Boston, but also re-signing him, okay? You let him know that, maybe let his agent know that, and uh, but before you, maybe you come to an agreement with another team on Cespedes, before you pull the trigger, can you promise me that you come back to me, and, and maybe I can, I can do you better than that other team that you agreed to? Can we do that? Okay, we can do that? All right, great. All right, we'll talk to you later tonight, all right, Dave? All right, I'll see you. The minute you hang up that phone, you Ben Sherrington. You don't call Sandy Alderson, by the way. You call the Mets, you don't call Sandy Alderson. No, no way. You call J.P. Rashadi. All right, let's dial up J.P. Rashadi real quick, shall we? J.P. Hey, J.P., what's up? Yeah, it's Benny. Yeah, what's going on? Nothing, how are you? Man, what happened the other night? I know. I'm not, no, I'm not talking about Flores. I'm talking about Gomez, bad hip, huh? That bad? You couldn't make that deal? Wow. That's, you know what? I, hey, I didn't know this, and, and, and maybe I should have, but Zach Wheeler would love to have him in Boston. I know you'd love to have him in New York, too. You need a bat. Love to have him. No, 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 no. I'm not. I know you're not going to take Hanley or Sandoval. I'm not. JP, don't hang up on me. JP, hey, we boys or what? We're boys? All right, listen to me. Hear me out. I'm not trying to give you Hanley or Pablo. Come on, man. Trust me a little bit here. I've been in the game a bit. I get it. You don't want those guys. Maybe I did fuck up with them. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to let those guys play out. I'm not trying to give you them. And I realize I don't have any other bats to give you. Um, 
but I can get a bat for you. You need a bat this season. We know that. We saw that. You're willing to give up Wheeler to get a bat. The Carlos Gomez, bad hip, whatever. What if I told you, JP, what if I told you, and you know what? Where are you right now? You're in the office. I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go outside. I need you to, I need you to put me on hold, go for a walk, go outside for a minute. Can you do that? I was just in the hall in the lobby. Do what you got to do. Just get away from everybody else. Can you do that for me? We're friends. We go way back. All right. We don't go way back. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know how far back we go. I'm just thinking of the right now and the future. But, since you know, can you at least, man to man, can you step outside for a minute? All right. All right. You're outside? All right. Listen. Can't tell anybody this. Can you, I can trust you. You can trust me. You know, we can, we can talk about this. What if I can get you guys? What if I told you I can get you guys Yoannis Cespedes? I can get you Cespedes. Yes. I know. I, don't ask me how, JP, but don't tell anybody about this, and I don't have him yet, but what if I told you I can get him? If I give you Cespedes, you got him the rest of the season, can you give me Zach Wheeler? You want something else? What else? What are you talking about? What else would you be talking about? You want something else? All right. I can't give you a prospect. I can't do it. I can't do it because I'm giving prospects to Detroit to get Cespedes. Again, keep this between us. I, I, I'm giving prospects to Detroit, and you can't call Detroit because we just, we just talked about this. You can't talk to them because that will really hurt any chances that you have of getting Cespedes. Okay? It's between me and you. Here's what I can do for you, though. I can give you Mike Napoli, too. And I know you might not need him, and he's terrible, but guess what? He's been swinging a hot bat lately. And you certainly he's got big postseason hits, contract here, he's motivated. I'm getting you sets, I'm getting you two bats here. And you're giving up a player that's not going to pitch for you the rest of the season and won't pitch for you until the middle of next season. And even if next season you think you've got a shot at it, you know, maybe Wheeler might not be fully ready to go. You want it now. And I can tell by the Gomez trade that you made last night until you found out Gomez had a bad hip. JP, listen. Here's what we're going to do. And don't tell Sandy any of this. Please. You keep Sandy in the dock on this. But, you know, Sandy, ask you who you're on the phone with right now. It is not me. It is anybody but me. Okay. I get you Cespedes, I give you Napoli, and even if it's not Napoli, I get you Cespedes. Can we work out a deal to get me Zach Wheeler, me and you? Okay. Well, let me work on that, all right? Let me work on it, and I'll get back to you. I'll be back tonight, okay? All right. See ya. So there's that. There's that phone call. Then, then, what happens is later that night, you know, I don't expect Dombrowski to call me. I got to call him. I got to be the aggressor. I got to get Cespedes. And I got to continue to make this look like I'm taking on Cespedes for me and me only. You got to get sneaky, right? You got to get sneaky. Because you need Zach Wheeler. You don't want Zach Wheeler going to Detroit. Say, hey. And you know what? You could do the same thing with San Diego, with Upton, right? You could call them and do the same thing. Similar thing with Upton. But we're going to focus on Detroit right now. Because it's, it's clear you got a relationship with Detroit. You sent them a Glacius. You know, you're doing all that stuff. It, it, you, you got that going on. So we're going to stick with Detroit. We're going to focus on Detroit. We're going to focus on Cespedes for the time being. And I'm going to call Dombrowski back later that night. Call Dave. Hey, Dave, what's up? What's going on? 
So what's the deal? You got anything on Cespedes? You got any bites? Because the trade deadline, it's uh, it's tomorrow. And as we see in this trade deadline, teams are not waiting to make moves. So can we get Cespedes? Honestly, we messed up. We need him. We're about to trade Napoli. I can't tell you to who. Can't tell you where. But we're going to open up that spot in the outfield. And uh, we're going to make something happen. We can get Cespedes? All right, let's work on a deal. Prospects. Okay. Da, 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 you do your thing. You do your thing. You give him a couple prospects. Right? Now, I know they might, one of the two of them might need to be a big-name prospect. I don't know. I'd be willing to do it, though. Be willing to talk about it. Hang the phone up. You make the trade. You get Cespedes. You immediately call J.P. Rashadi. You say, J.P., Joanna Cespedes coming to Queens. You want him? We got him. He's, he's mine. Member of the Red Sox. We got a deal. You want him. I know you want him. Now, you're risking, obviously, you know, you're risking maybe you make that move and you fuck yourself over when the Mets say to you, actually, we just finalized the deal uh, for Justin Upton. Well, yeah. But then I think you, at that point, you're to a point where maybe, hey, you, maybe you're trading Cespedes. Or maybe you're trading the bat. But it's a risk you got to take. You got to get creative right away. JP, we got a deal. I send you Cespedes. Maybe a player, another player. You give us Zach Wheeler. Deal? Deal. All right. Call hey, call the league. We got a three-way trade. Cespedes is going to New York. We're sending prospects to Detroit. Zach Wheeler coming to Boston. That's the deal, baby. I'm afraid Ben Sherrington isn't sneaky enough to pull it off. Or even try it. You gotta be, I need him to be ballsy, creative, do something. Do it. Get it. Zach Wheeler's still a Met. They want to trade him. You got leverage on them because you know they already moved him for a bat. Get them a bat. Get the bat. Give it to the Mets. Take Wheeler. If, if you're the Red Sox, if you're Ben Sherrington, and he's not trying to do that right now, he should not have his job. Honestly, he should not. We're talking about guys who are available. Now, maybe he is trying to do it, and he just can't pull the trigger. I don't know that he should be fired over it. I actually like the thought that he would have that idea to even make that move and try to pull it off. But we'll see. Trade deadlines tomorrow. That's what I'd be trying to do. Not bad, huh? Now, who knows if I'd be able to pull it off either. In, in, a, in a perfect world, in a um, you know, dream world that I'm living in here in this 125-degree studio in Beantown Athletics, I could pull that off. I get it. I'm not a GM. Uh, I'd like to think, though, if I was, I would have the balls to, to go all out and get Zach Wheeler in a Red Sox uniform. And that what I would do is this winter, I would revisit trade talks with Oakland for Sonny Gray. And next year, going into 2016, or at least by August of 2016, because you see the Wheeler thing, you wouldn't be ready by next year in July. That would be like a trade acquisition for you. And by next August 1st, my rotation would be Sonny Gray, Zach Wheeler, Eduardo Rodriguez would be my top three. You'd have Porcello on a contract. Who knows what other of these guys, who knows if any guy could turn around. You're talking about a Wade Miley, who's been very good for this team this year, better than I ever thought, even after some of his struggles early on and mixed in between every once in a while he has a bad one. Um, not bad. Next August, if you're looking at a Red Sox rotation of Sonny Gray, Zach Wheeler, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Wade Miley as your top four, that's not bad at all. 
two power righties, a power lefty, and a lefty in Miley who can can really do some damage with that off-speed stuff and keep it down in the zone. And with some location, I, and, and he moves quick, which it really is the biggest thing for Wade Miley. He loves to just, a yeah, quick pace. So, uh, yeah, look, I'm just thinking out loud. And you know what? That's not, I should, I'm lying to you. That's not thinking about, that's not really thinking out loud. That phone call was thinking out loud. But the actual move to land Zach Wheeler, I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks now. Ever since I heard Zach Wheeler was available. And the Red Sox should be thinking about it too. And not just thinking about it, going out and trying to make the move. Because as of right now, as I'm doing this podcast, Zach Wheeler is still a Met. And you got to try to steal him now that that deal with Milwaukee fell through. And for the people that told me, oh, the Mets will never trade Zach Wheeler, not for a bat. Okay, sounds good. Save your tweets, dickheads. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, all right, Deflategate. We're going to get to that. Some news on Deflategate. And oh, by the way, Patriots had their first training camp practice today get to that to close out the show but first I play you my violent gentleman segment of the week it's a violent gentleman Thursday make sure you go to violentgentleman.com right now to order some of the hottest t-shirts hoodies hats and accessories on the sports scene from the ice to the octagon from the ring to the field violent gentleman honors the fight the art the opponent and the sport violentgentleman.com here is Pittsburgh Penguins now Pittsburgh Penguins forward Nick Bonino. He was traded two days ago. He talks about that and a couple other things uh, that are not trade-related. Here is Nick Bonino, and again, stick around after the conversation. I wrap it up with some Deflategate thoughts. All right, today's Violent Gentleman segment is with NHL forward Nick Bonino. He joins me over the phone line right now. Nick, how you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So yesterday, uh, Tuesday, there was some news. You get traded uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, did you see something like this coming? No, you know what? Uh, this one was uh, completely blindsided, and I'm able to say this one because uh, it happened last summer when I got traded from Anaheim to Vancouver, and that one there was some writing on the wall with uh, with Kessler asking out and only a few teams he would go to uh, this year. Um, I joked with Lauren when I saw the number calling me that I got traded again, just just joking around. And uh, Trevor Linden told me I was traded, and uh, we were in shock for pretty much the whole day. So where were you? And, and that's, so that's how you found out. But where were you, I mean, when, when you did get this call? And what is that experience actually like? Uh, it's definitely um, very emotional. I think, uh, you know, you, you want to look for the best, but you're also sad uh, – Sad leaving a, a great city like Vancouver, especially for my wife who um, is active and, and our dog. It's super city for dogs, so um, it's tough. We were actually driving back from from Cape Cod. We'd been there uh, with my parents for for three nights, and uh, we had just left them, and that's when we got the call in, in the car, and, uh, and we found out about eleven o'clock. Uh, well, so this Penguins team, though, that you're going to, as much as you say, you know, you like Vancouver, you know, you're going to a pretty good uh, hockey club. They just got Phil Kessel as well. You know, Crosby, Malkin. Uh, have you had the opportunity to talk to any of these guys yet, or is this still too fresh for that? No, you know, I haven't I haven't heard from anyone yet. I'd assume I will uh, in the next little bit here. I've talked to some of the, the staff, management, and uh, coach, but um, none of the players yet, but uh, like you said, it's a team with some really great players, a team that, uh, 
is always contending every year. Um, so it's definitely exciting to, to be in an environment where that's uh, pretty common. What is your plan this summer? Are you skating with other NHL players, working out? Uh, what's going on with you right now? Yeah, you know what? There's not uh, very many NHL players where I'm from in uh, in northern Connecticut, or in, I should say central Connecticut. Um, a lot of guys work out down south, down near uh, Darien and Stamford, but it's just too far for me. So I work out at a gym I've worked out at with a guy for, for about 10 years now, and uh, uh, Pete Azadorian, and, and I do the lifts that uh, that the Canucks had given me, and now I'd assume uh, I'll finish those this summer and then uh, get into those Pittsburgh Pittsburgh workouts. So you're from Connecticut. You went to BU. You played at BU. You went. Now you were at, in Vancouver. Now you go to Pittsburgh. Are you taking you taking any heat from some friends? You getting some calls saying, "Hey, you know, you're playing now for the two rivals here with Boston, Vancouver, now Pittsburgh." You taking some heat for that? <laughs> Yeah, I have. You know, it's funny. I've I've been uh, been lucky enough to play for some great teams, but unfortunately, uh, they are they're, they're the Northeast uh, uh, rivals. So it's definitely something new for me to. It's going to be tough on my buddies for for allegiance uh, who they're going to who they're going to pick, who they're going to root for. But I think at the end of the day, you know, they might root for the the Bruins uh, to win, but they'll they'll root for me personally. You were in Anaheim, played with Matt Bolesky. He just signed with the Bruins. Uh, can, can you let some of us, can you let us know what type of player are we expecting to see as Matt Bolesky, your former teammate, comes to the Bruins? Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy and a, and a great teammate. Um, I think Boston should be should be very excited about getting him. He plays hard. He's he's really honest player. He, uh, he fights. He, he's a great fighter, but um, he can score 20 goals like he did this year, so uh, he's a guy that'll come in. I think he's not afraid to get to the net, and he can. He has a really, really hard shot. So um, he's a really good, you know, typical strong Boston type player. And I think uh, you know he'll do well there. And I think everyone will like him. And you know, for the people, this is a podcast, so people listen from all over, Nick. And you know, some people from Pittsburgh might listen to this, knowing that uh, you're the newest Penguin, and they want to see you know what you have to say about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I look at your career in Anaheim in 2013-14. You had 22 goals. Last year you had 15. Uh, if I had to ask you, you know, what are you working to improve upon this offseason, what, you, what you're looking to bring to the table with the Penguins Club, uh, what would that be? Um, you know, you're right. I've had two pretty good seasons back-to-back. I think my first year, the, the year you said in Anaheim, I was, uh, you know, relied on a lot more on the power play, um, and that's what my point total reflected. Uh, last year, um, the Sedins, you know, are great players, and they took a lot of lot of power play, uh, power play time. So it was um, more even strength for me, which I was proud of. I did pretty well even strength. Um, you know, this year I'd like to improve on both. I'd like to improve on on even strength, on power play, and, and continue my penalty killing. But uh, I think Pittsburgh can expect just a, a good two way center who can finish and uh, take care of his own end. And uh, I guess getting away from hockey a little bit because, you know, look, as I mentioned, you're from Connecticut, you went to BU, and, and a lot of the focus here locally is on New England Patriots and Deflake. Are you a Patriots fan? Because I know some you know, people from I'm, Connecticut are not. They're Giants I'm fans. Not, uh, yeah, we're right in the middle. I'm actually a Red Sox fan and a Giants fan, so oh. uh, a little bit of both worlds there. So what's your reaction to all this Deflategate stuff? You must be loving this. It, to, to be honest, as much as you know, you would think I would. I think it's, I think it's pretty crazy. Um, the power that that Goodell has, I think, uh, 
you know, a four game suspension for what he did, um, is, is a little steep. I, I don't, I don't really think there should be much, but, um, you know, like I'm not a, I'm not the lawyer. I'm not the, I'm the NFL committee. So yeah. really what I'm, what I think doesn't matter, but yeah. that's just a little bit of, what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, because I ask, I have some NHL players on the show, and I always ask them with this Deflategate thing going on. Like, is there any comparison to to what they at least Brady's been accused of doing? You know, taking some air pressure out of footballs. Is there a comparison to something you would do in hockey? Like somebody said, uh, I had I had one NHL player tell me that it was similar to just having a curve on your stick that is somewhat illegal, but. You know, it's it's really a slap on the wrist, and at the end of the day, nobody's actually going to say anything about that illegal curve. Is is that a good comparison, or do you have something else? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, no, I've never thought about it, but I think that's a pretty fair comparison. I think another one could be uh, goaltender's equipment. I know they have pretty strict regulations, but, um, you know, a goalie might have an extra inch here or there on his pads or on his chest protector, so... Um, it's something that at the end of the day isn't that big of a deal, uh, mm. whether they knowingly, you know, have that or not. But uh, I think that's probably the closest thing I could think of. All right, uh, I'll let you go on this, Nick. How do you feel about the new overtime rules in the NHL? I mean, I, I get that, be, you know, the reason they're doing it, going to some three-on-three, is because they're trying to eliminate shootouts, but you can't just eliminate the shootout altogether. But I guess they're trying to just limit them uh, and do everything they can to not go to a shootout. How do you feel about the new overtime rules? Um, you know, this is something, you know, I haven't been asked this yet, so I wish I, I, wish I had been. I'd have been a little better prepared. But it's, uh, I don't know, it can go either way. I think they want to eliminate the shootout because they don't want it to come down to one guy. But I think at the same time, when you're playing three on three, they're going to be rotating a lot of the same guys back through. So um, at the end of the day, it's going to be exciting for the fans. I think that's the the whole goal of this. I think it will eliminate like the AHL had. They had this and eliminated a lot of shootouts. So um, for a guy who has, uh, you know, been pretty good in shootouts and enjoyed shootouts, for me it's uh, um, a little bittersweet, but at the end of the day, we're still going to get the shootouts and, and Pittsburgh has so many good players that I would imagine uh, the game will be ended in three on three, whether for us or against us. All right, Nick, uh, listen, thanks for taking time out to talk with us today on the Violent Gentleman segment, and uh, best of luck next season in Pittsburgh, all right? I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, there you have it. Nick Bonino, Violent Gentleman segment of the week. Uh, special thanks to him for joining me over the phone. Uh, kid who just got traded. I know that's not an easy conversation to have, uh, but at least he was willing to have it. So there you go, violentgentleman.com. Make sure you go there right now. I told you I'd close out the show with the Flakegate news. Well, here we go. We are going to court, baby. The NFLPA, they have sued the league. The league has sued the NFLPA. But the question now is who sued first? Well, according to Judge Richard H. Kyle, he says the NFL sued first which means that they get to choose where this will be held. And guess what? The NFL wants it in Manhattan. So it's going to be in New York. NFLPA, they thought they sued first. They chose Minnesota because they pointed to maybe the same type of precedent uh, in some of the situations in the Adrian Peterson appeal. NFLPA wanted it in Minnesota. NFL says no. Uh we want it in New York, and now it's come down to, well, who sued first? Again, according to the judge, it was the NFL. 
So Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, he had something to say about this, obviously. And Don Yee tells Tom E. Curran of CSNNE.com. He basically goes into knocking the NFL for filing their lawsuit first, saying, you know, if, if your reasoning and evidence is, if your decision is so bulletproof, then why wouldn't you be able to defend that in any court? Why are you, why are you throwing out a lawsuit before we throw out a lawsuit? Why are you doing this first? And you know what he, he relates it to is Ted Wells coming out and having a conference call right after he released his 243-page report. He's saying the NFL all of a sudden coming out and filing a lawsuit against the NFLPA before the NFLPA officially files theirs. So here's, it was the, here's the timeline. NFL suspends Brady. NFL hears the appeal. NFL upholds the appeal and then sues the NFLPA. Like, no, that's not how it works. And he, he's basically comparing that to Ted Wells writing a 243-page report, okay, saying Tom Brady is more probable than not that Tom Brady maybe was at least generally aware of something that we don't even know happened. But anyways, he wrote the report and then felt that the 243-page report wasn't good enough to stand on its own, so he decided to also hold, hold the conference call and answer questions and, and get more statements out. Sorry, Ted Wells, that's not how it works. And Don Yee is saying, sorry, NFL, this is not how it works. So the NFL... They, they win this one, too, and they're going to get this. Now, this is going to court, but it's going to a, a court that the NFLPA does not want it to be in, which is in Manhattan. The NFLPA wants it in Minnesota, but they want, they're not going to get their way. So um, that's where we stand. We're going to court, and anything that happens moving forward, we will react to it. As I mentioned, oh, by the way, the Patriots had their first training camp practice today. Guess how many people were there? 10,108 were in attendance. And you know what? It may, it just, Tom Brady, he runs out, he gets a standing ovation, and it just made me want to play this clip of Tom Brady. Super Bowl, pregame, it's my favorite audio clip um, in a long, long time. I know we've played, we've spoiled, we've played a lot of very good Pedro Martinez audio clips the last couple days and weeks, but Tom Brady, you know, the most recent ones. This is one of the better clips that I've heard in a long time. This is pregame Super Bowl. We got to play it again. And this is how I felt as Brady ran out to training camp practice today and got a standing ovation. Here's Brady, pregame Super Bowl. Let's go! Let's go! It started seven, eight months ago, right? All for this moment. It's about honor. It's about respect. We win this game. You're honored. Your kids are honored. Your families are honored. We love three. One, two, three. <laughs> Come on. You're going to suspend this guy? Give me a break. And you know what the Patriots did, which was unbelievable, and it's on video, and I saw El Prez retweet it. They run a play. Brady hands it off. I don't even know who the running back was, but the running back then hands it off to Julian Edelman. Brady takes off down the right sideline, uncovered. Edelman to Brady. Touchdown. Not just a touchdown. One-handed grab. And yes, there was. They were going up against the defense. One-handed grab. Gets his feet just barely inside the pylon. Touchdown. Edelman to Brady down the right sideline. 
February 7th in San Francisco. Super Bowl 50 cannot come soon enough. Patriots will be there. Tom Brady will be there. And they'll be hoisting the Lombardi Trophy once again. That's not even a homer's take. That's not. I'm not speaking to you as a homer. That's not. You know what kind of take that is? That's a realistic take. Patriots are fight up. Brady's fight up. And Bill Belichick is most likely, even though he doesn't sound like it when he talks about this stuff the last couple days in these press conferences, he's fight up. And this is bad news for the rest of the league. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you get a podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. Like me on Facebook. Also on Instagram, any form of social media, really. Uh, yeah, it's hot. I'm thirsty. Tomorrow's the last show of the week. Got a wiffle ball tournament this weekend. Life is good. I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.